Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. And welcome to the AEW Dynamite Preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to look ahead to tonight's episode of AEW Dynamite. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Dynamite, but also AEW Rampage, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2. Oh! Pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bigger quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick. Michael Hamlet enjoying a well-earned uh, day off. But me and Sidge are here to preview AEW Dynamite. But Sidge, um, before we do that, obviously, we have to talk about the uh, awful news that broke yesterday uh, in the early hours for us. Uh, we woke up to the news of the... Uh, sad passing of Jay Briscoe. Just, just devastating to wake up to this, and uh, probably understandably, it's going to be reflected on on Dynamite tonight. Yeah, I wonder the extent to which it'll be a tribute. Um, it's all very thorny, given why we know why the Briscoe brothers never appeared on AEW television. Um, they did a name, but obviously they didn't physically appear. Um, so that's not something for us to worry about. I really hope we get a little bit more than an opening match graphic. Um, I've got a sweet fantasy booking spot that a certain match I think should include. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think we'll see a lot of trip. If it's not a tribute show in name, I think a lot of wrestlers will be like busting out a Jay Driller at the very least. Maybe like um, getting a seamstress on speed dial. Mm. and getting some gear made that looks like some of their more iconic fits. Um, but yeah, I just want to talk about Jay Briscoe uh, for five minutes. We didn't do it on the NXT preview because he had no association with mm. um, WWE. And it just feels like with his association with Ring of Honor and Tony Khan, and I just feel like it's the time to do it is here. Yeah. Anyway, um, an unfathomable tragedy. There's nothing else he can say um, about the circumstances of his passing. It's absolutely heartbreaking. Um, just awful, awful news. Uh, I think his family needs people's prayers. I'm not a religious man. I'll send a nice cosmic vibration. Mm -hmm. Keep them in my thoughts. Hopefully that empathy means something, anything. Um, but it was, yeah, an unimaginable harrowing tragedy. But if I can borrow a line from Raymond Carver, if there is such a thing as a small good thing at a time like this, is that the, the sort of the outpouring and the grief and all the rest of it sort of came in two uh, waves, if you like. One, Jesus Christ, the man was 38 years old. 
and he's a fantastic professional wrestler, and he's provided a lot of people um, just countless hours looking at their body of work and the longevity and the consistency. Mm. Hours is pretty much um, an understatement. Um, just hours and hours and hours of entertainment um, throughout our years as really long-term wrestling fans. Then the second bit here, and again, this is where, you know, hopefully the small good thing element comes into play here, is the more you read people's testimonies and touching mm. tributes and words and the analysis of his career and the legacy he leaves behind, the second wave was pretty much, have we just lost one of the all-time great professional wrestlers here? Mm. And, you know, again, that's going to be of no consolation to his family or anything like that. I'm not trying to conflate anything. I'm nervous about this sort of thing because you just have to choose your words very, very, very carefully indeed. But just to put over that legacy and, now is the time to do it. I don't want to put under another tag team and mention, oh, this tag team, if you think about it, weren't as good as the Briscoes because that's not in the spirit of the thing and it feels like the wrong way to go about it. But without naming certain legendary tag teams who are in the conversation as the greatest tag teams of all time, who's got a better body of work than the Briscoes? Who were better promos than the Briscoes? Yeah. Who were more believable than the Briscoes? And I honestly think that you're looking at about three mm. maximum tag teams who had the careers in ring and on the microphone. Yes, the scale wasn't there because they were just grinding, as they yeah. used that beloved phrase, in Ring of Honor. Um, through the times when it was white hot on the DVD market, it was a tape traders, aficionado, product of choice way into the years where people kind of buried it for being very excessive and over long and just passe um, and then back into the revival era they were always there they were always working excellent matches and it, we're talking like 20 years of excellence not mm. just oh they were really really good oh they were really really good and then they got you know a bit more solid as the years waned they were always excellent they're kind of like the Brian Danielson of tag teams people talk about Brian Danielson and Reverend Tones um, about is just his in-ring genius. He's on my Mount Rushmore, a professional wrestler, certainly. But how he's not had those absolutely massive, unmistakable... Danielson versus Kingston. You know, Danielson versus... Uh, like Daniel Bryan versus Kofi Kingston. Danielson versus Kenta. He's had great, great matches. But as an absolutely massive, unqualified, classic match player, he's had way, way, way more four and a half and four and three quarter yeah. star matches than anybody else without having those unforgettable five star Masawa Kabashi Omega level match epics of that sort. And that was the Briscoes for a long time. Um, they were just always there. I think a lot of people took them for granted until their, um, their incredible seminal year of last year, and that's where they were at. And then, to cap off the legacy, 2022 happened for them, and you had those trilogy of matches, that trilogy of matches, rather, with FTR, and you finally got that, no, they are iconic, no, they are unqualified geniuses at what they do. They've had matches that are the epicenter of pro wrestling conversation amongst those who really, really love the art form of it. The dog collar um is I would say at this point the near unanimous choice for match of the year. If it's not quite mine, it's certainly pretty much everybody else's. And they finally had that genuine unqualified classic year to cap off this absolutely unbelievable legacy, as I would say, easily 
easily top five tag team of all mm. time. And Jay Briscoe and Mark Briscoe, geniuses at their craft. Like, we spent the morning, or much of it, like, gathered around Phil's mm. and Murray's desk at different parts when we were scrolling through the Twitter timeline, and we each sort of picked, oh, this is a great one. This is a great promo. Oh, this is, he has a really funny line here. And it's just so easy to watch them build a match. Mm. They're piss funny, incredibly intimidating. The chemistry is just, they could be like in a movie mm. at times, like the way that they bounce off one another. We were genuinely howling with laughter watching some of their stuff. And at the same time, some of the matches, some of the promos that we saw on Twitter and the wrestling fandom really came together to mm. remind people, this one was great, this one was great, this one was great. I want to watch one of these matches tonight and I'm yeah. going to, that they built up because the promos were so good. It wasn't just funny. The threats weren't just there. They really put over the enormity of everything that they did. Um... One last thing is that it's kind of easy to put together a modern match. We see certain promotions, certain wrestlers do it. I often refer to it as a checklist, right? You do the double down. If you get in two or three false finishes, if you do a move successfully and then you go back to it and it gets countered, that gets a pop. There's a really rigid formula to get a This Is Awesome chant in pro wrestling in 2023 with the Briscoes and Jay Briscoe. Because they had this immaculate grasp of their characters, completely devoid of any pretension, just transmitting realism. And it was authentic as well. I don't think he could have been an effective pro wrestler if he tried. I got wrong-footed by the sophistication of their match structure every single time Mm. because he embodied the character of this primal backwards brawler so perfectly that it was a tremendous work because by the time you got to the matches and you got to these scintillating last five minutes, you kind of don't realize that he's got it in him because he's so good at presenting the facade Mm. of this kind of caveman backwards (laughs) fight with all his heart and little intelligence. When you realize that, no, he can put these things together and he is a complete genius at laying out matches, it takes me aback. And it's not because I doubted them. It's because his ability to work me into thinking that he's a 70s, 80s throwback type, if you like. Um, Just an incredible tag team. Um, Again, 20 years of this. And again, I don't want to name names to put another team under, but think of all of the best tag teams that get listed in like the top 20 tag teams or whatever that just didn't go as hard or as long as the Briscoes. The body work wasn't there. The promos weren't there. You're looking at one of the very best tag team wrestlers of all time. And his singles matches were superb as well yeah. at his peak. Um, yeah, the realization that we didn't just lose a great wrestler and a great family man. The tweets have to be mentioned, but he was contrite. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot. Uh, I've read a few takes along the lines of the difference between Jay Briscoe being an arsehole once and other arseholes is that the other arseholes are unrepentant mm. and he's genuinely carried the burden of guilt for his actions for several years. So much so that I think when the TNT and Warner thing didn't happen in AEW, like the vast majority of people all came together and said, he's showed contrition. Mm. He really has. Um, look, I'm not a member of the LGBTQ plus community. So maybe that's not for me to say, but as a wrestling critic, I think it is for me to say that Jay Briscoe and Mark Briscoe one of the very best tag teams of all time. And it took till last year for people to realize, mm-hmm. and tragically it's taken as passing to make people realize that, right, if you look at 
wrestling as this very wide-ranging form, all of which should be celebrated. You've got your epic 40-minute big match wrestlers. You've got your best baby faces. You've got your best technicians, your best brawlers. You've got your best TV wrestlers, your best all-rounders. And God knows that in the last three years, it's kind of the rise of that kind of star has made you realize that a lot of what passed on television for the past five, ten years hasn't been good enough. If you look at it as... Um, Someone can be considered an all-time great if they excel in one field. Jay Briscoe is one of the very best tag team wrestlers of all time. Jay Briscoe is probably one of the best promos of his generation, certainly. Mm-hmm. One of the best brawlers. Like He's an all-time great, and he's gone, and it's horrendous. And our thoughts go out to his family, and we've, you know, we have to produce other content. We did the NXT review, but we've thought about and talked about very little else all day. And we celebrated him, mm-hmm. as his legacy should be celebrated. Absolutely no age whatsoever it's uh it's one of those things isn't like you say lovely a response across social media and and as you mentioned there we've spent the morning watching stuff whether it be promos or like you say people have shared clips from matches and finishers and what have you and you and i are both are going to spend the evening watching briscoe's matches probably but like it's sad that it's come to this that it took this moment to to bring this to, to certain people's attention and I keep, it comes in waves. I keep forgetting and then re- remembering as we're like watching a promo, the reason why we're watching it and the fact we won't get that again. Yeah. Um, but That's yeah, horrendous. Just, it's just awful. Um, and I can't really add anything much more to, to what you said. I think I think you did a, an excellent job of, of talking about the legacy that he's had. And yeah, it's not just the loss of him, like you say. It's the the waves this has caused. You know, I've seen uh, Dax Harwood's tweeted um, saying he's okay, but you know the, the relationship he, him, and Cashwell have had with these guys over the last year or so. Uh, God knows what he's going through. His brother, his kids, his family, his wife—like it's just doesn't doesn't bear thinking about. It is just devastating news to wake up to, as you say. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, I do hope there's. Not only acknowledgement of it on on AW Dynamite tonight, but yeah, um, some homages to Jay uh, that we'll we'll try and weave into this this preview. And yeah, if you want to hear any more lovely words about the legend that was uh, Jay Briscoe, Simon Miller's done a wonderful tribute as well. You can either watch that on our YouTube channel or it's available as a podcast uh, right now. Um, but we should talk about AEW Dynamite. And a uh, show that's got a lot of really exciting matches to look forward to. Uh, two championship matches, one of which is one of which features the I think debut of uh, Kushida in AEW. Uh, straight in, straight into ch- challenging Darby Allen. He's um, he's not making this run as TNT champion very easy for himself, is he? He's just no. That's what that's what a good babyface does. Yeah. that's what the championship should be. I think when his First introduced, Cody took this idea and went with it. They really should have done something with Wardlow, but they didn't. Um, It's meant to be distinct from um, the World Championship. You can't just say, oh, here's another belt. It's kind of a mid-card thing for the people who aren't main eventers to contend for because they need something to do. That's not how it should be, so you should... um, Present it with a different value system, a different booking formula. And I love the open challenge because it's a TV championship. In effect, mm-hmm. in, a, in everything but name, it is, or at least it should be, and now it again is a TV championship, with the idea being that, right, if you're the world champion, 
You are the best in the world. On your night, there's no one as good as you, and that's why you hold that particular championship. You don't defend it as frequently, and that's where the beauty of the open challenge gimmick comes in, because if being the world champion rewards the best performance, uh, being the TV champion, or in this case, the TNT champion, it's consistency. It's can you do it in a cold Wednesday night in Stoke? <laughs> yes. Can you do it against a, an opponent for which you haven't really prepared? Um, can you do it in a small town or whatever? So the fact that he's had Mike Bennett, who the character has something really desperate to prove. Same with Juice Robinson. Kushida he doesn't want to come in. One of the most decorated, um, the characters, one of the most de- and the performance, one of the most decorated juniors in the history of one of the very best wrestling companies ever. Like, I just love this aspect. Of mm, and he did stuff in New Japan as well. Yeah. Not, not just mentioning NXT. Yeah, yeah, shut up, man. Shut up, man. Uh, yeah, so what waste they did with him. Jeez. Oh, it's ridiculous. I said the whole time it was absolutely ridiculous. Um, but no, there should be an absolutely class match. Um, if nothing else, they know that Kushida will be doing things with New Japan imminently. Um, it'll, they'll be very respectful towards Kushida, who... Again, on a day where we should be more cognizant of the legacies that wrestlers have and what they do, I think Kushida gets overlooked. Mm. I think because New Japan has this sort of um, promotional style where they like having talisman and like tentpole performers. I hate, I always mix my vowels up. <laughs> tentpole performers who are considered the absolute best of the best in their field, so that when the next ace comes along, it really means something to have replaced that person. It's all very patient. It's all very slow burn. And it's all sometimes a bit boring. People are talking about this now with Hiromu Takahashi, and it was only in 2017 where, in 2018 particularly, where people were saying, right, okay, he's the hot, new, amazing thing. Um, even Okada. There's yeah. a few people saying, that's a bit boring, that he's won the title off Jay White. But... Again, yeah, Kushida's legacy kind of is getting overlooked. I think people are forgetting just how great he was. WWE had a large part in the blame for that. What I'm arriving at here is that this should be fantastic. I know a lot of people are excited. It is a sort of dream match of sorts. Not something that could headline Forbidden Door, but like a certain undercard Forbidden Door-esque dream match. Oh, yeah. We're getting on free TV, and I think that, again, Darby Allen is underrated is simultaneously a freezing cold take and incredibly pertinent. Because I think he's even better than the people who say he's underrated. Um, everyone knows he can wrestle and isn't just a stuntman. But I think the way he lays out his matches are fantastic. I think there's going to be a heavy emphasis here on how technically gifted he is. I think it's going to be a different kind of match to what people are expecting. A lot of it will be wrestled intricately and on the ground. And I think that they'll make the high spots really, really matter when they get to them. Um, Darby Allen will win. Yeah, but... Kushida will remind people when it's all said and done of how just fantastic he is. Yeah, I, for my sins, was n- not as knowledgeable uh, about wrestling outside of WWE when I started here at What Culture. Um, and I was lucky enough to be part of WCPW. And yeah, you don't need to sell me on Kushida after that. Yeah. You know, we had some phenomenal talents across that World Cup. Kushida obviously ended up winning the whole thing. Um, and I think going in, I was like, really? Kushida over Will Ospreay? Like, my limited knowledge, I knew about Will Ospreay, but I, you know, it wasn't as au fait with, with Japanese wrestling. By the end of that tournament, I was like, yeah, that's absolutely fine. That's- yeah, that's how held, how high he was held in the esteem of New Japan. 
um, at the time. Yeah, uh, yeah. Later, he had an even better match with Will Ospreay as mm. well. The best of the Super Juniors final. Jesus Christ, absolute classic. I've forgotten how good he is, and I'm very, very um, excited about being reminded. It's quite like just looking at this card. There's an argument to be made for about four different matches to main event this show. Yes, got two championship matches. They could obviously main event. You've got Jake Hager and Ricky Starks, which, if you watch the road to, is is strongly built to as well. And you've got, effectively, the number one contender, Brian Danielson. This is bloody bandido. It is ridiculous. They are... Yeah, what, what's the, yeah. what's the, we always talk about the, the manager situation, like a nice problem for a Selection man. headache. That's it, yeah. A selection headache. I think they're going to go with Cassidy Lethal mm. to headline this. I don't think they'll have Kushida headline it. There'll be too much stuff centered around MGF, so that's not just going to be a match. Yes. So that'll be top of the hour stuff, I imagine. And the argument there, of course. And is I just want to put it out there, sorry, I'm not doing my stupid Jim Ross bit about how the show opens because there's only one way to open this exactly, show tonight. Yeah. It's with the in-memoriam graphic. Yeah, indeed. Um, yeah, let's talk about our all Atlantic Championship match because, like you say, it makes sense for it to be a main event because not only is it for a title, Orange Cassidy defending against Jay Lethal, but you've got a Golden Globe winner there as well. Like, Jay Lethal, winner of the Golden I've Globe. I've seen him hold it. He's holding it with, there with Sanjay Dutt on. Please let him still have it. Yes. They could even do, like, a special entrance, like, where they're quite good with these little sort of details. What I like if Justin Roberts is pestered into saying, and he rolls his eyes because he can't bring himself to do it because he's meant to be a professional. And <sighs> Golden Globe winner... <laughs> Jay Lethal, something like that, I think, would be really Give good. Give Sanjay a gold pencil just for this week. Yeah, absolutely. They could do something like that. They could have some fun with it. Um, yeah, Casty's going to win. And look, I'm not the biggest Jay Lethal guy, but the man's pretty incredible at what he does. The man gets a reaction. And I think Casty Lethal, much like Kushida Derby, will... I think a lot of people are expecting, no, oh, it should be a nice little three-and-a-halfer. I think it could be even better than that. Mm. Like, again, never be... Never let it be forget forgotten that three and a half is good. It means it's very good. It means it's way over, way above average. But I think this could be. I think this could border on excellent. Like Jay Lethal, I kind of begrudge saying it is an exceptional professional wrestler, and I think he'll work something that borders on magic with Cassidy, like something really violent as well. Because Jay Lethal can be really stiff when he wants to be, and Cassidy's playing this fighting champion gimmick, which works so wonderfully because it's such a contrast to the gimmick he'd been doing previously. Yeah, I think all sorts of magic will ensue here. I'm just trying to do the maths in my head. Jay Lethal's in the ring, fighting Orange Cassidy. Best friends, Sanjay Dutt and Satnam Singh. Dan House and Jeff Jarrett. Yep. Guitar shot. Oh, get, get that, get Dan Housen. Get that Dan Housen with a guitar shot to the head. Frozen in Pace, it frozen in place, doing the curse, but collapsing with a guitar yes! on his head. Yes, I love that. I also love the idea of, again, this could be a great 12-minute just a match, but if it gets silly, there's so much potential for good silliness here. Has Cassidy, because I know that best friends have done stuff in the orbit of Satnam Singh before, has Cassidy ever done the leg kicks to Satnam Singh? <sighs> if there's some kind of schmozzy stuff and Satnam gets in the ring to, like, motion to interfere without interfering and Cassidy does the leg kicks to Satnam. Oh my god. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, Cassidy's winning. The match will be very, very, very fun at the very, very, very least. Cool fact. 
a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash whatculture. Let's talk Brian Danielson versus Bandino. Uh, be class. Danielson teased on the road to the arrival of Juan Wagner, of course, in uh, AEW by saying he likes to wrestle people with hard heart. But uh, Bandido will do for now. <laughs> this could be absolutely incredible. Um, again, like, you know, I got kind of miffed with AEW throughout much of 2022. I think they started taking the piss with some of their tropes. I think Tony can't stop listening. Um, I just certainly just making the same mistakes as every freaking booker seems to make. Introducing too many titles. Took just too much on. Ring of took Honor. Took too and much yeah. on. Like too many titles. Like hum, like just so many repetitive, carny North American wrestling finishes. He's done two things. Uh, he's done lots of things to correct course. But one of the things I was really getting knocked about was the lack of big name pairings and real dream matches yeah. and Bandido versus Danielson is yet another um, solution to the problem that was of his own creation. Um, this should be absolutely unbelievable. I love the idea of Danielson putting Bandido over as this incredibly strong guy because Danielson will put someone over, but as he has to do, he has to depict himself as the best professional wrestler alive, especially when he's going for a title. I like the idea of him showing actual almost fright at how supernaturally powerful Bandido is. Um, it's, one, I, it's one of those, I can't lay this out. I can't do a fantasy booking spot here. No. Um, it's just going to be absolutely incredible. And Danielson's so good that if Bandido has one weakness to his game, it's like he has certain spots that require his opponents to do something a bit silly to enable them. Danielson's not going to let him do that. So the best possible version of this match, it's like four and three quarter stars on television again. Um and 
yeah, as much as I was cross with AEW, I still try to maintain my perspective of how incredible this organization is. Like, even when it's not operating at its peak, it still does something awesome. And the fact that we're getting Danielson versus Bandido on TV is just, again, if I'd said this in, like, 2015, this is what you'd get if you just yeah. curse a few uh, I can't wait for this. It should be tremendous. Do you think we hear from MJF again in and around this? Obviously, a bit of controversial what he did last yeah. week. I, I, for me, just off the top of my head, keep it simple. Just say like, just basically have Maxwell say Bandido's really ugly because he has to wear, and he wears this because he's so bloody ugly. But I've no doubt he's going to beat that goat-looking twat. <laughs> in the promise of the storyline, given that it's weeks and weeks and weeks away from the actual. I hate wordplay. Dickheads who freak about with wordplay. The uh, resolution at revolution mm. is uh, weeks and weeks and weeks away. So we don't really have to intensify it yet. We don't have to introduce some kind of stakes. I feel like there's a twist coming. Um, don't have to go the full animosity. This is the fight of our lives sort of thing. All that can stuff. All that stuff, sorry, can wait. But what's interesting here is how MGF responds. Because as he predicted, the backlash has happened. As soon as he's champion, he said, he said it was going to happen and it's happening. Various tweets, various internet comment sections, squared circle, the like. They're saying, oh, God, he's just the same. He has character, hasn't evolved. It wasn't as good as when he was feeding with Punk. He fell off. He fell off. He's going for this low-hanging fruit. It's interesting now because does he go full, like, I'm trying to think of an analogy here. Does he do the thing where he digs his heels in and just does the lamest jokes insults the local sports team with a nudge and a wink. Does he go? Does he lean heavily into the, I'm going to be insufferable and not in a way that's particularly entertaining just because you're telling me I'm doing mm. it too much? Or does he really become MGF again? Here's, here's a f spoiler, folks. You gotta see the full MGF when he's really doing the big sell for the pay-per-view, mm -hmm. which he can't really do yet. And so when you're ready enough Time to do that because they rely on last minute buy, last minute buys. All pay per view customers wait until the week of. No mm. one's ordering it now, <laughs> so why would he cut the impassioned? I'm going to show you a wrestler speech now. Why would he do that? It's like having the the like I have some fucking patience, man. I completely agree, uh, and I think it's yeah. Half of the the half of the thing was people initially saying, "Have you never seen a story?" What is what I was going to say? Half the thing was people were saying like. Uh, uh oh, are they gonna have to turn him babyface because he's getting so over with this? And what, how do you do that? Keep doing this and make sure you're not over. Well, the turn obviously helped, it won him the title. And then he just, yeah, he did the, you called it yourself. I give all props to you for the, the Reign of Terror promo that you, you spotted uh, when everyone initially was a bit like, is that not very good? Or is this not is this not very good as it was happening? And yeah. then you suddenly saw where this was going. But it is like a bit, like you say, it's a bit comparable to the big uh, motivate, motivational coach speech that you see in uh, uh, football, American football films, basketball films, and soccer films and all that. But putting that in like 10 minutes into the film. Yeah, why would you do that? You don't understand the principles of drama and yeah. how you escalate a story. So, look, he's probably going to have fun with the perception that he's developing online. Maybe a happy medium would be him on commentary. Low stakes. Yes. Low stakes. He doesn't have to... Like, he could do some great training montage stuff nearer to the time where, like, he's in the gym, he's getting spotted by his fiance, 
and he's like looking her up or whatever like that instead of like actually getting to work. There's loads of stuff they can do with the stamina and the Iron Man stuff and him not taking it as seriously as Danielson. There's loads of different skits they can do. They need to hit emotional beats, not just yet. That's not how storytelling works, you morons. Be less impatient. Um I've got an idea. That's but if you can just if he's gonna be two seconds. Yeah. If he's gonna be like just full banter max for the time being, perhaps it is time to just do it on commentary. I don't know. But there are people talking about it, so I am and he knows. And AW know. It's a listening company. Um will he dig the heels in? And I think it'll be one of those things where it's like the more you do it, you know how everyone says, Oh, you're meant to be a heel. It's like, yeah, I'm not meant to be bored rigid by yes. them. Maybe he could go all the way around that circle and it become entertaining. Mm-hmm. I'm just fascinated by how he, or if he, I think he will, reacts to this uh, narrative that's being spun. Just had an idea that's popped into my head and if I don't say it now, I'll immediately forget it. Um, uh, one thing I was going to suggest, because you know, there's the, the low-hanging fruit is the concussion and the ending of the career and what have you, and I'm no doubt that he'll have some belter of that's a line. That's where the heat angle will come yeah, in. Yeah, belter of a line closer to the pape. What if... The story of this is people saying you can't you can't hang with Danielson. You're not Brian Danielson. What if he says, you know, guys, I've been listening because he's been posting, like you said, he's been posting these videos. If you follow him as religiously as I do uh, on social media, as I do <laughs> of him doing ridiculous reps with weights and and what have you. I think Cornette's even shared it, et cetera, et cetera. What if closer to the pape, he says, I've been reading some stuff online, and normally I don't pay any attention to what he losers on, online say. But I've seen some people saying that I, I'm not Brian Danielson. I can't be Brian Danielson. Well, I think this proves that I can be Brian Danielson. And it's footage of him attempting all the bollocks that they used to have to put them through in NXT. You know, when they'd like oh, carry around a barrel. Oh, like the keg. And yeah, stuff do like a that. barrel yeah, yeah. or do like, do a promo on mustaches. Yeah, MJF would have been incredible Can you imagine that. him in that incredible. scenario? Incredible, he would have been awesome. So there you go, there's a little video package of... What is a mustache? It's a little bit of hair on the upper lip. I have one. Give it a couple of weeks, and I'll have a full-blown mustache. I don't have a mustache. Shut up! <laughs> have you got one or not? It's Schrodinger's mustache. Except it's not in a box. It's on your face. This right now, this here, this is the genesis of the beginning of Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Uh, Danielson Bandido, minimum four stars this. At eating, least Danielson wins, obviously. Eating a massive steak in front of his face. Oh, yeah, get that, get that burger in from the Royal Rumble. Yes, because there's that weird month gap, isn't it, where he said, up to including this date, you'll be the number one contender. Yeah. And then it's like, well, what do you do for the month? On road two, I think Danielson said four more matches, including yeah. this one. And so. there was that date where it's like, well, it's like three or four weeks after that, so something's happening. Maybe they could redo the court... Cody beat, which again ties into, oh, he's just repetitive and he makes people run gauntlets. Because, oh, here's one, an old standard that I know you love and tell me I'm repetitive for. He can't touch me, but I'm going to make him want to fight me. Because Daniel, this works so perfectly for the Danielson character because he's like so level-headed and Danielson can just say something to the effect of, well, okay, I'm quite relaxed guy. I'll just happily meditate and train. Like, Mm -hmm. it can't get a rise out of me. I'm a hippie. Like, you're not going to get a rise <laughs> yeah. out of me, and then he can uh, go for the low-hanging fruit, like the really nasty things he can say about Danielson, eating just filet mignon right in front of his face with a nice garlic butter. Ugh. Ugh. I think Max is turning a baby face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or he just says to him, yeah, 
one last thing you have to do to get the match. Just eat that chicken nugget. Eat that chicken nugget, <laughs> bitch. Uh, Danielson wins, obviously. Yes. Uh, before we get to some of the other matches, there's a few other bits I'd like to talk about. Uh, for my sins on a show that features, like you say, two championship matches, uh, Hager Starks, which they built, Brian Danielson versus Bandido. When I thought this morning, what's on, what's on Dynamite again tonight? The first thing I thought of was not championships, was not checks, was not big matches. It was Hangman Page sitting down with John Moxley's wife. And that is not to dismiss Renee Paquette whatsoever, but we all know the reason that she's in this role for this particular interview. It's incredible. I just saw that graphic and I thought I paid. Paid like a goddamn mark. Because that's the AW I know and love. That's the level of thought that goes into it. That's the kind of thing that I realized. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What a perfect idea. I always used to say, right, because I'm a bit of an arrogant twat when I want to be. <laughs> In 2016, when I first started at What Culture, and I'd been writing um, off and on for years, certain publications for free. But my big thing, when I started at What Culture in 2016, was anyone can book better than Vince. Like, not being funny, like anyone can. Like the WWE video game developers wrote better storylines yeah. than Vince McMahon. Right. Um, on a complete dick around BTE show. That became a serious storytelling vehicle. They wrote better storylines than Vince. Like pretty much every other wrestling company that didn't have the resources wrote better storylines than Vince. I think random fans on Reddit threads, Reddit of all bloody places, came up with better storylines <laughs> than Vince. Reddit. Even Reddit. And uh, my God, I say, oh, booking's easy. You can do basic booking better than Vince. This is the kind of thing where you think, you bloody magnificent bastard. <laughs> Like, it's going to be so uncomfortable. The discomfort experienced by Rene Paquette is going to make... He's going to see how it's affected her life. Yeah. And that's going to make him feel even worse. And then when Moxie comes back, he's going to probably realize, you know what? Actually, I'm not that bothered. Like, there's loads that can do with here. My only hope for this segment is that it's going to be... A sit down. Yeah. Intimate. The whole idea is you're meant to build that tension. You're meant to build that unsettling atmosphere that just... The longer you linger on those quiet spaces between words, that's where the dramatic heft of something like this is. I do not need Excalibur to say, and coming up right after the commercial break, and my page that's down with Ronnie Packard. And then, and then you get the dynamite theme tune. And then you come, oh, like the adverts if you're not watching on fight. And then you go earlier today. Right, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. Then it's like heavily, heavily edited. Heavily, heavily edited. Every like horribly pregnant pause and mm. a bit of anxiety is just edited out and the whole thing's ruined. All right, that was pretty awkward. But anyway, <laughs> that's a great wrestling coming up right now. Yeah, I want them stewing I, it. I want them meeting. Like, I don't want them sat down. Yeah. I want them getting mic'd up, going, looking at each other. You ready for this? They used to do this. Yeah. Can you remember the go-home segment for the Revolution 2020 tag? Yes. With the Bucks, yeah. Page and Omega. They got it because they didn't rush through it. This cannot be rushed through. No. It, like, too often, as much as I love AW, it's Wrestling Society X with the way it's edited. Do not Wrestling Society X this, because mm -hmm. it could be awesome. Um, let's talk Jake Hager, Ricky Starks. Uh, yeah. I will say this. I will say this. It's quite genius in one way, but carry on. Well, the, the, the bit I like about this on the road to, spoilers, everyone, road to's really good again this week. I'll take Um 
I'm not a huge fan, I'll admit, of the I like this hat patter anymore. Yeah. It's nice for a week or two. Um, but I do like the threat at the end of this road to from Jake Hager that says, he does the whole I'm going to smash your face off your face thing. And then he says, I'm going to beat you so bad that you like this hat. And I quite like that as a <laughs> weird sort of threat. But Ricky Stocks, I don't know. What were you thinking about this? Not much. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. It's kind of genius. Maybe it's like uh, delightfully devilish, Tony, in terms of, right, okay, here's what's going to happen. You've had the hottest match you'll ever have between Starks and Jericho, and I don't need it. I don't need. I don't need to see a sequel in which you subtract some of the crowd noise and add on five minutes with the same finish. And you know, because Ricky Starks actually won, so don't need this. You at don't want to see. Oh, you said the other week you don't want to see him fight. You know, the rest of the JS. Yeah. But maybe after this match finishes and it's a gentleman's three, and Jake Hager should be a tag team wrestler because that's what he's good at and best at. Maybe, because I don't know, you're right, you can get Starks and Action Andretti versus Guevara and uh, Garcia, but can they coexist because uh, Garcia thinks that Sammy Guevara is patronizing him and then he can spin off in that direction. Or you could have Sex Gods versus uh, Starks and Andretti. Or you could have Starks uh, versus Guevara. And that's how these things work. When you've got a baby face going against the stable boss, they go through the other stable members with different permutations. Maybe by doing Starks Hager first, everything else is like better as a result. <laughs> like, I'm not being funny. I shouldn't have to qualify this. Hager's a good tag team wrestler who's underrated in that regard. I agree. He's a singles professional wrestler. He's had his opportunities, and he's just not as good as the majority of that roster. So don't put him in that position. This match is going to be the weakest of the night. And if I'm if I'm going to be revealed to be a very cynical, negative Nelly tomorrow. It will be a massive over-delivery, and no one can Absolutely. say, oh, shouldn't have slept on Jake Hager. Everyone sleeps on Jake Hager <laughs> in a singles context. So if nothing else, everything to follow, even if I can't be asked with it, will probably be an improvement on this. Do you want to see a spot with Ricky Starks around Jake Hager's hat and doing his pose? Yes. We were talking about this in the office, weren't we? He's going to take the hat. He's going to go and do his pose. And... Uh, Hager's going to have this like comedic conniption fit. Don't stay. You're welcome. Make it fun. Make it stupid. Do hat stuff. Do poses with the hats. Do a beat down at the end and get the f out of there. <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing that could happen next for Ricky Starks is he could form the world's sexiest tag team. Now that Adam Cole is back. I don't think that's going to happen. It was just a nice way of me segging into this next segment. But what do you think is next for Adam Cole? Uh, this show looks particularly stacked, but I saw some people talking online and potentially them saying, Look, Adam Cole's back and he's wrestling on Rampage this week. That's what I would do. Um, quietly build him as someone who says, he's going to gun for a title. Cool, he's a good star. Uh, he's a massive star. That If I'm Tony Khan, I'm thinking, right, okay, well, I'll put him in matches to get him there because I want him in my main events, but he has to earn it, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, I'd have him work on Rampage or maybe Dynamite. I'd prefer Rampage. I want to see a pretty exhausted crowd go up for him. Um, but I, he seems to be coming back as a baby face. It's kind of stupid not to. The sympathy's there. People yeah. have missed him. I, irrespective of why you've left for so long, you will just come back as a baby face. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter if it was an injury. Doesn't matter if you've tried to turn heel on the company like MJF did. The the, un, the unwritten rule now is if you go away for a while, because the TV cycle is so relentless, 
people will miss you. You never get the chance to miss anyone in mm. wrestling. So, yeah, he's going to be a baby face whether he wants to or not. <laughs> and uh, I... <laughs> Forgot about that. Sorry. British Bulldog. Yeah. It, good news, everyone. Jay Lethal already has a match, so it's not going to be Adam hey, Cole yeah. versus Jay Lethal. I know people will go, can't you remember the ROH classics, man? Um, so we're looking at like the Tony Nese caliber, mm. someone like that. Or Building towards like a, you know, the first big match could be, I don't know why he's just popped into my head because he's not doing anything right now, but since he's probably got plans to do other stuff when he does. Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe could I be. I think he already had a very mid match at Dublin Nothing. Oh, of course. But that was before Joe turned heel and got really good again by learning really how to use his aura. Um, so I, but the memories of that double or nothing match, what an, oh, bad tournament final. I forgot about that. Yeah, because he's, is when they sh- when he said, you know, I've done some stuff in AW, I was like, oh yeah, you won a title. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gentleman's three, I'll have a shot that. So yeah, I don't know who he wrestles on TV, nor do I know who he wrestles at Revolution, but he will have a singles match. Absolutely. Or a trios match, but he'll have a match on there. Maybe the kingdom can Ooh. Mike Bennett. Ooh. I think there's should, there's room in either reforming the kingdom or if they're not going in that direction, they could certainly have Mike Bennett say, You abandoned us or something. Let's believe you have a bare fight. <laughs> I like the idea of Matt Taven going head to head with uh, Adam Cole on the mic as well. Yeah. Love Matt Taven. Um Right, let's talk about one, no, two-thirds of the new trios champions in AEW. The Young Bucks, they're fighting top flight tonight. Um, how do you see this one playing out? Whoever wins, come on, do the springboard yes. doomsday device yes. in honor of the Briscoes. Come on. Um, I think the Young Bucks, somewhere in one of their storage spaces, remember the, the Moxley-esque gear? when they were teasing that they were going to side with him and not yes. Omega, they could wear that, because it's similar to something that the Briscoes have used. But yeah, uh, the Young Bucks are famous opponents of the Briscoes, um, devastated by the loss, as Nick Jackson articulated on Instagram. So I expect that to be tributes. I want to see a J-drill. I want to see loads of different things. Um, but I expect, because it's a tag team match and they've got the history, that there'll be a overt tribute here. And I want to see whoever wins... Don't alter it, the booking for this. Just whoever wins, do the do, uh, Springboard Doomsday. This could be a way, and this could be really dramatic and really unpredictable because the acclaimed no longer have a really obvious opponent for Revolution. And you if, would assume the Ass Boys are interim. Yeah, surely. Surely. And with FTR, look, if you take Dax Howard at his word, they're not going to be making revolution because he's talked of months. Yeah, April. April yeah. just wants to rest and recuperate. So that leaves it wide open. If the books revert to full heels, like in the interim before they tell whatever phase of the big saga they're doing next, if they can recapture that 2021 form against the 2023 acclaimed, that match at revolution will be incredible. Yeah. So maybe this is the It'd first. be the second best tag match I've ever seen at revolution, basically. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, like full-blown young bucks, smarmy bastards who everyone hates but really loves to hate because they're so intoxicating and exhilarating in that ring against the acclaimed. That's pro wrestling magic right there. That dynamic could be great. So maybe they're going extracurricular in the tag team division to set that match up. Again, there isn't an obvious one at Revolution for the acclaimed, at least as far as I can see it. Or um, Top Flight have 
teamed with AR Fox in a trio. So if they mm. beat the Bucks in a tag team match, that sets up a trio's title match. Is again another TV um, sort of detour before we get to the big destination of Revolution. So there's storyline material in either result. Didn't Top Flight do a match with Takeshita as well in a trios? Or have yeah. I made that up? They could just do it, even if they haven't. I'm yeah. fairly convinced they have. And then that can get the Omega Takeshita story started to really get purring, revving up rather, because Callus, Takeshita, Omega, something's happening with those three at some point this year. And we might get the first glimpse of it. I don't know. This match will be unpredictable. And it's going to be the best version of this match is out of this world great. And top flight look really, really up for it, bang on form, looking like they've really resented missing so much time. They're making up for oh, that yeah. lost time. And um, particularly that match against Danielson and Moxley, which is just, that might, be, that might be their best match and certainly their tightest performance. Because they've had great... Is that when we said they thought they could be tag champs in the future off yes. the back of it? Yeah. It's just so awesome. Um, they've had spectacular matches, but every single one, up until that one, of their spectacular matches, there was always that, these are young green lads, and sometimes your ambition is too bold. Uh, you get ahead of yourselves. You sometimes get a little bit hesitant or a little bit lost because the ideas in your head are so complex and you're not quite composed or experienced enough to execute them perfectly. If they can get that out of their systems, that hesitation, that, oh, that looked a bit choreographed and all that went a bit wrong because the idea was too insane. If they can l tighten everything up against the Young Bucks, this should be an absolutely out-of-this-world sprint. Um, if I had to bet money on this, I think the books do the job. Really? See, I had to say, I thought I was going to lean towards books winning this. I said, I don't think you just immediately beat him, even though it's not a trios match. But I would like say, yeah, I, I'll buy either pinfall. I'll buy either pinfall. I'd be cross ordinarily if they've just won the title because it's one of my big bugbears. And again, another thing that Tony Khan did wrong in 2022 was we beat so many champions. But uh, I. Top flight getting something really substantial might make up for that. Yeah, and I like the potential of a story of like Young Works are great and all that, but without Kenny Omega, like I like that as yeah. a as a little story beat for them as trios champions as well. Uh, finally, let's talk Willow Nightingale versus Tony Storm. Willow Nightingale probably still feeling the effects of that insane street fight from uh, from AW Rampage, and Tony Storm. Uh, recovering from not being Mercedes Monet, basically. Yeah, I just think the whole... Something fell through. They scrambled with a pretty wonky idea, and it just wasn't cool. <laughs> it just really wasn't cool. Um, this is interesting because AEW listen. They are aware that Soraya is kind of coming off as incredibly entitled by saying it's her house, and she hasn't laid a brick there. Um, so... The idea that Tony Storm is just... Everyone's really happy to see Tony Storm, and she's improved the work rate of that division, uh, but she isn't Jamie Hayer. Maybe the booker and Tony Khan is thinking, you know what, I can, I've, she's still so young, I can turn her heel now, and she can be a baby face later. It just feels like after aligning with Soraya, who a lot of people think comes off as entitled, spurning and being a bit of a dick to Hikaru Shida, who's a big merch seller, a homegrown, and someone who the day one AEW audience has a connection with, 
and then going up against Willow Nightingale, mm. who has a massive connection with the crowd. This feels like the slow burn, Tony Storm is going to turn heel thing. Um, if not, it's a series of very stupid ideas from Tony Khan, but I don't think it's a stupid man. I'm turning off my WWE brain, <laughs> and I think this is the start of a slow burn turn, because why, if you are wanting to keep Tony Storm babyface, would you align it with Soraya and then have a fight with Little Nightingale. This has to be a heel turn. What is, what's your temperature? I agree. I, I think it's a weird match to book if you aren't eventually turning Tony Storm heel or they're doing it so you've got two baby faces in the ring who get overwhelmed by the numbers disadvantage when Britt and Jamie and Rebel come down and maybe tonight's the night Sheeta tries to make a save again, but bloody hell, she swings and accidentally hits Tony Storm with a kendo stick. Yeah, something like that. This should be a very physical, committed, and overmatch. And despite the people involved, who you and I think are sensational, I get a horrible feeling this is back to the bad old days of chuck them on just before the main event. Oh, why I? Why I? Um, I don't, yeah. We have a game we often play, which we'll explain in a second. I don't think we're going to properly play it this week. Not and with Hamflet being here. No Hamflet. Absent. And the Jay Briscoe stuff, it just feels. I don't want to do my stupid GR thing. Exactly. Um, but, well. Let's, let's explain what the game normally is. It's called Ladies' Night. It's called Ladies' Night. The aim of the game is, basically, the AW Women's Division is an obligatory afterthought. At times, we want to nail to the exact hour, minute, and second, the first time you hear the staying of the opening note of the women wrestler who appears first for the one women's match, with the idea being that if we nail it, and God damn it, we've come close too often, far too often. If we nail the time that happens, it's like, come on, lads. Have them work two matches mm. on a show. Absolutely. Or have them open or main event more regularly because it's four years in pretty much and it's becoming a bit of a joke. Um, so we're not going to... This is like a pre-season friendly version of Ladies Night. Yeah, the Community what, Shield. i tell you what, what we should do, rather than like both picking a time or anything like that, we should work together to pick a time. And if that's right, then we'll never play the game like we normally would. Okay. So I think you and I both. Do you agree that this is going to be the the match before the main event? Basically? Yeah, of course. Like, and maybe unquestionably, I'm gonna I'm gonna use my my uh, knowledge of AEW, and I know you're former knowledgeable. In fact, I think you wrote a book about AEW. I did actually. It's all about the um, formation and indeed rise of AEW. Hence why it's called Becoming All Elite: The Rise of AEW. It's available to purchase on Amazon now. It covers the context and the background and every incredible convergence of factors that made a mainstream TV competitor to WWE viable in the first place. It's an extraordinary, multi-layered story that I hope I've captured, um, particularly when you consider the TV industry thinks of you, the wrestling fan listening to this, is a poor idiot <laughs> who couldn't even afford the fancy wares that advertisers must uh, advertise on television you to, to finance the programming effectively and all about those first two incredible years and it's called Becoming All Elite The Rise of AEW and it's available on Amazon right now so you're far more knowledgeable about AEW than I am but my limited knowledge of AEW makes me get a feeling that not only will this go on just before the main event we'll pick a time in a second I've got an idea for how we arrive at the time together by the way okay but also they might just chuck in a 30-second video of either Jade Cargill or Red Velvet here. Maybe. <laughs> I would not be surprised by that whatsoever. Here's what we do, and apologize, listeners, in advance, you're going to get 10 seconds of dead air here. It's going to be an hour, so that's just... One hour something, so one yes. Hour. 
Oh, shout out, by the way, to uh, the guy who normally controls all the information, the statistics, the... Um, uh, Data. Adam Blair, at Adam Wilton 4 on Twitter for this. But don't worry, Adam, no need to, to be so strict with timings today unless we get it bob on. So for the next 10 seconds, we know it's going to be an hour. Right. Each come up with a minute and second, and we'll split the difference. Okay, okay, okay. So ten seconds starting from now. We think we we both thinking that the main event is going to be Jay Lethal versus Orange Cassidy. It's going to be a man in it, granted, un- un- unquestionably. Okay. I've got it. Okay. Hang on, what was last week's? One thirteen. It won't be that early. Um, I've got. 28.40. Okay. I had... that makes This makes it actually easier. I had 24.20. So what's that? 26.30? 26 26.30. that right? I'll write it down. I've got that wrong. Apologies, Adam Blair. 126.30 we're going with. Because I think you and I both agree it's probably going to go sub-10 minutes this match. Some shenanigans. And anyway, here's Jade Cargill and Red Velvet to promote their next thing um and then time for the men to come back for the main events because yep that's that's normally what happens in these sorts of scenarios unless mercedes monet's knocking about yep uh right well let us know your thoughts ahead of aew dynamite tonight on twitter at what culture wwe or watch they can follow both of us you can follow michael sidgwick on twitter at m sidgwick follow me on twitter at adam wilborn follow us all at what culture wwe as i said make sure you subscribe to what culture wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from Uh, for daily wrestling podcasts our nxt review is available right now a lovely tribute to jay briscoe by simon miller is also available as a podcast Uh, or you can watch the video of simon doing that on our youtube channel right now as well and me Sige and Hamlet will be back to review this show tomorrow as well but for now this has been the Dynamite Preview my thanks to Michael Sidgwick thank you for joining us and we will see you soon Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.